This is the Global Greek Influence Podcast, and I'm your hostess, Panayota Pimenidou. Renewables and climate change prevention is key to our future, but also the economy and technology. Let's clear something up. The renewables energy is primarily about carbon emissions diminishment, but not carbon. Our bodies are carbon-based, and you should not forget that Earth is a carbon-based planet, hence drilling for natural gas, petroleum. Even though we do not want carbon in the air, as for example gaseous carbon dioxide, we can utilize solid carbon forms in new technologies with polymers for novel hybrid materials, carbon nanotubes and graphene. If you had not heard of those before, or you did, and you would like to know more, you are at the right place in space. And we have an expert to speak about the secrets and novelties of the big-scale nano-world from a chemical engineering point of view. I'm today with Dr. Stefanos Nitodas, a chemical engineer with a PhD degree in material science and chemical engineering and an entrepreneur. Stefanos has worked for many years in the industry as research and development manager and business development manager mainly in the microelectronics sector and the nanotechnology field focusing on engineered nanomaterials development. Stefanos is now a member of the faculty of the Department of Material Science and Chemical Engineering at Stony Brook University, New York, where he leads students to understand the versatility of chemical engineers' role in the industry. Stefanos has 15 years of progressive research experience in the high-technology field, industrial coaching and tutoring expertise. He holds a significant know-how related to transfer of knowledge from academia to the industry and setting up of startup high-tech companies. He has traveled around the world and collaborated with numerous international partners in the industry and academia. He has worked as scientific consultant to the Deputy Minister of Education in Greece to prepare research course descriptions and implement guides for new research programs and directives. Stefanos has co-developed several nanotechnology-based materials such as carbon nanotubes, polymer nanocomposites, graphene oxide for the nanotech-based industry, including electronics coatings, transportation, and accomplished important research collaborations with large companies such as British Airways. Welcome to the show, Stefane. Hello everyone, hello Panayota, thank you very much uh, for your kind introduction. I'm happy to be here with you today and talk about nanotechnology and its impact on the society and everyday life. So why should the world know about carbon nanotubes? Carbon nanotubes uh, have been researched uh, for years now. they are a novel form of carbon uh, which you can be formed just by rolling uh, graphite layers. So from the uh, common graphite, you can uh, produce carbon nanotubes. Carbon nanotubes and nanostructure carbon in general exhibit a unique combination of exceptional properties, including mechanical, electrical, and thermal properties. So this is the, uh, uh, the special Uh, thing about carbon nanotubes. They can combine all these properties uh, in just one material. For example, carbon nanotubes are one of the stiffest structures ever fabricated. The most striking effect is the combination of high flexibility and strength with high stiffness. 
So carbon nanotubes, because of these uh, properties, they can be employed as reinforcing additives in various types of matrices, including polymers, plastics, and metals. And most of the nanomaterials are used this way in, uh, in fabrication of products, of end products. So they are added in uh, plastics, for example, in order to improve uh, properties such as mechanical or electrical. Carbon nanotubes, because of their nanometer size and the extremely high surface area, can also function as structural morphology directors in these matrices. So you can prepare different morphology uh, in the materials to be used in different applications. The applications of carbon nanotubes and nanostructure carbon, as I mentioned before, within the advanced composite sector, uh, are still at relative early stage of commercialization. They have been uh, researched, as mentioned, in transportation, electronics, uh, coatings, uh, energy applications with very good and promising results. And now uh, they are being commercialized in several of these applications. And in nowadays, as the availability of materials uh, are being increased, because another uh, issue with nanomaterials is their availability in large scale, a number of composite materials and components are starting to incorporate carbon nanotubes, aiming at improving different types of properties in enhancing the performance of materials and use them in uh, applications that make our life easier every day. What makes nanomaterials unique to the economy and societies? Because I guess that nanomaterials have different applications, but do we see this being upscaled for large consumption? The, I'm, I'm going to start um, my answer from the fact that all nanomaterials, not just carbon nanotubes, have attracted attention for years now. Uh, even though they have not been completely commercialized in many applications yet, but we're almost there. Uh, so why all this hype? What distinguishes nanomaterials from conventional micron-size materials, the conventional counterparts, is that they are characterized by larger surface area, or what we say, um, in, uh, in science, large uh, surface to volume ratio. So this larger surface area enables a greater amount of the material, the nanomaterial, to be brought in contact with other surrounding materials, resulting in increased reactivity. Uh, for example, uh, adsorption of hydrogen uh, for use as energy source by these nanomaterials. Of course, this reactivity applies in a variety of applications, uh, depending on, uh, on how you use, you utilize the nanomaterials. So because of this uh, larger surface area and their increased reactivity, uh, they can be optimized uh, to be used for improving different properties in end products. For example, melting point, electrical conductivity, thermal conductivity. And the very interesting things about nanomaterials is that you can change the properties. So you can 
attain different level of improvement in the properties just by tuning their size. So for example, in carbon nanotubes, you can tune the diameter. You can go from very small few nanometers to uh, uh, several tens of nanometers. So these carbon nanotubes, depending on their, on their size, exhibit different properties. So these uh, exceptional properties of the nanomaterials can be also imparted to polymers, for example, just by dispersing the nanomaterials into plastics or to polymers. And this is the driving force for the use of the nanomaterials in a variety of applications, that you can change the properties of different materials by so many ways, properties that were not present before without the use of nanotechnology. So this is why nanomaterials are important for the economy and the society. So you can make very small electronic devices, you can just put in your pocket, uh, with very high speeds, electronic devices like cell phones or tablets, uh, or you can even make lightweight, uh, durable products, such as in cars and airplanes. And as you understand, by reducing significantly the weight of the vehicles, you can reduce the fuel consumption, and as a consequence, you uh, reduce the carbon emissions that you mentioned before. It's very important to be able to uh, have a cleaner atmosphere uh, and use materials that are more environmental friendly. 3D printing is um, a technology that is highly considered in uh, producing small sizes parts simply because uh, the materials that are 3D printed might be having properties which are not uh, normally attributed uh, to and tr be transferable to a system. Now, I was thinking, having a little bit of understanding of 3D printing, if we talk about hybrid materials, like in the case of polymer and carbon hybrids or polymer and metal hybrids, what could be the challenges of 3D printing such materials? Uh, the field of uh, 3D printing uh, indeed has transformed the way many industries approach the fabrication of custom parts or prototypes. Uh, and the goal of 3D printing is not only to be used uh, by the industry for fabricating products, also to be used at homes the way we had the printers all these years. Uh, now we're going to have the 3D printers just to manufacture small parts that we want to have in our house. That's why uh, the future of 3D printing uh, and the 3D printing materials is, is promising. Uh, according to um, market analysis, uh, it estimated the size of 3D printing materials estimated to total uh, 12 billion in 2025. So the, the, the problem that, uh, that we have to, to face with 3D printing is the challenge is that it should become an inexpensive, relatively inexpensive way uh, of fabrication. So this is what uh, we, are, we have to target nowadays. And this is the problem we have to tackle. 
And the reason for using hybrid materials is because when you started using polymers or 3D printing, just pure polymers, the mechanical uh, or other properties of the 3D printed polymeric materials were inferior to those obtained by the traditional ways of making polymers, like ejection molding, extrusion. Uh, so even though it was uh, a relatively fast way to fabricate materials, it led to these uh, inferior properties. So, and this is caused by an isotropy caused by the layer by layer approach of 3D printing. So as you print different layers, you can have an isotropy so different properties across your material. So what we need to uh, optimize uh, and in these uh, materials is self-adhesion and the cooling rate. So that's why we're using hybrid materials. So we incorporate additives in the polymers in order to uh, be able to deal, uh, to deal with the problem of um, of reduced self-adhesion that the pure polymer has. So you can have um, uniform layering in your structures and in this way, uniform properties. And, in a, and not only you tackle the problem of the uniformity, you improve the properties of the 3 different materials by adding nanomaterials, nanoparticles, uh, such as carbon nanotubes, graphene oxide or graphene and some other uh, metal nanoparticles uh, that you already mentioned. So it's very important to, to select properly the, the additives you will combine with your polymeric materials, like the ABS uh, or polycarbonate uh, polymers or the polylactic acid, uh, which is a biodegradable polymer that are used extensively in 3D printing. Also the printing temperature, uh, the print design, so not all designs um, can be efficiently manufactured in 3D printing. So when you're dealing with hybrid materials, what the, the main problem is to start with a hybrid material that is uniform, having uh, a polymeric material with a nano additive dispersed efficiently in your matrix. So in this way, you're making sure that the nanoparticles or nanomaterials are probably dispersed in your polymer and you're gonna attain uniform properties in your 3D printed object. Of course, this has to do with processes prior to 3D printing, but it's very important to have knowledge uh, of, nano, of the nanomaterials you're using in order to, to efficiently incorporate them into the polymers when you create the hybrid material. But this is the future of the 3D printing, the hybrid material, especially the polymer hybrids, in order to be able to obtain fast and easily materials with exceptional properties. And in this way, 3D printing uh, will not only bring revolution to the industry and the industrial products, and also to our everyday lives. I believe also that hybrid materials are going to have a very big uh, place in the renewable technologies. So what could the future of nanotechnology be in the renewables ecosystem? Uh, actually, I believe that nanotechnology is the future uh, of renewable energy. So most of the nano uh, material, most, most of the energy related products uh, 
in, in the future will uh, rely on nanomaterials, nanotechnology. There are already products, uh, even in, in pilot, in pilot scale produced or um, being uh, tested, being uh, actually validated uh, in the market uh, using nanomaterials. For example, uh, nanomaterials can capture sunlight in both the visible and near infrared spectrum uh, for, and create, and in, by creating thin film solar layers of high efficiency. Uh, and this is very important in order, in order to uh, use efficiently the solar energy for creating energy, producing uh, high efficient materials with nanotechnology then is very important. Uh, also nanostructural metal oxides can be used in electrodes, uh, creating charts when exposed to sound. So here we're using sound to create energy. So sound power can be employed in various novel applications, including cell cellular phones that can be charged even during conversations. So this is a very important application that will be further explored in, in the future. Another important application of uh, nanoparticles in the renewables ecosystem is in, in supercapacitors. So carbon nano supercapacitors are capable of storing electric energy in their sponge-like pores, thus delivering energy faster and more efficiently than the traditional chemical-based batteries. And the most known, well-known application of nanomaterials in energy is in fuel cells, where uh, the, their aim is to render the technology viable by substituting the expensive precious metal catalysts like platinum that are employed today in fuel cells. So you lower the cost of the fuel cells and at the same time, you can make uh, the fuel cell more efficient. And also it's very important to know that the high surface area of <clears throat> nanomaterials make them ideal candidates for storing molecules like hydrogen that can uh, act as uh, energy source and power different devices for producing electricity. Entrepreneurship and intellectual property were the lowest in the hierarchy of competencies and importance according to a 2017 EU survey of PhD holders. Society does not expose us to entrepreneurship and education does not foster and nurture it. Based on your personal experience, why do engineers make promising entrepreneurs? Uh, that's a very interesting question. Um, I'm happy that you asked this question. Uh, first of all, I would like to focus on the intellectual property issue that you mentioned, uh, because uh, I have dealt with this to a great extent when uh, we, I was working in startups, setting up uh, startups and technology-based startups. Uh, it's very important to know how to protect your knowledge uh, through a patent, um, 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 trademark. So this is the first thing um, that needs to be done before you uh, become an entrepreneur. So you have to protect your idea. Uh, engineers have 
uh, have such a background in their education about uh, dealing with intellectual property, uh, IP issues, uh, and, and, and especially related to industrial applications. So engineers can make promising entrepreneurs, first of all, just because they know how to start uh, a company and create an enterprise. Another important aspect of, chem of engineering uh, is that there is technical background that the engineers possess that enables them to promote properly the benefits of the product they commercialize. And, um, and the, actually the meaning of this is that by understanding the capability of the product, they know fast, and I'm, I'm insisting on fast, because it, it's very important for a customer. So they know how to provide fast solutions to the customers. So when a customer asks you a question, they, would, they feel more confident if you know right at the, at the moment when you receive the question, how to reply to it. They don't feel confident if you keep saying, I'm going to wait uh, to talk with my colleagues and give you an answer in a few days. Uh, so you, in this way, you build confidence with your customers. So the engineers have this capability. They're also trained to think logically and follow a methodology, a very good methodology, to uncover useful solutions to the problems that they face in the uh, enterprise and also the, the problems that the customers face. Uh, and the engineers bring a skill set to an enterprise and especially a startup that is has been developed over years of managing projects and solving complex uh, projects. So it's an engineer should, of course, work for a few years just to, to uh, understand how uh, an enterprise can function. So building experience on managing projects and providing solutions to uh, different types of problems helps in building up a company. And for the startup, especially, it's very important because you start uh, from a very small team and you have to build up your team. So you have to know how to work with, uh, efficiently with people, how to manage them, and how to select your, your colleagues in order for your company to advance further. And most importantly, an engineer, based on my personal experience, knows how to stay positive. And this also helps, as I mentioned before, to build customer trust. And an engineer will never stop learning new things that can be used in promoting um, his or her company further. And also these new things and new skills that can be acquired can be efficiently used in sales, uh, business development, and marketing uh, which are very important aspects of an enterprise. Many people believe that in order to begin with a startup, you need uh, significant funding. How could the synergy of research coming from an academic uh, background meet with the economy to meaningfully promote startups? 
Um, you, you are right about the fact that you need a significant fund in order to uh, begin a startup. And a lot of um, consideration should be given to the small and medium enterprises, the startups, basically most of the startups are SMEs, because they are considered to be the economy's backbone in terms of employment and mostly in terms of innovation. So the innovation, the new ideas come from researchers in small companies. So there's so many uh, excellent ideas that cannot uh, advance further because of lack of funds. So based also from my own experience, uh, you need to uh, be able to secure funds either from a larger industrial partner that will have an interest in your technology, uh, in, for example, in its uh, product, in one of uh, the applications that this company may have, uh, or they look, the SMEs, the startups look for funding from uh, the government or um, from the state um, and from federal funds in general. Uh, I have to admit that a lot of uh, efforts uh, have been exerted by governments around the world to dedicate funds for that purposes, for the startups. Uh, and because they can understand that the majority of the promising research results that can lead to successful products stems from SMEs and startups. So it's very important uh, that the financial support of small and medium enterprises comes from governments through grants or research funds in order to further enable the research-based capabilities of these small companies for developing novel products. So the, these small and medium enterprises can collaborate with an academic partner, for example, to, um, to, to develop novel products for a variety of important applications. In this way, you combine uh, the research experience of the uh, academic partner and also the innovation of the small companies and most importantly, the grasp of the people working in the small companies for an application, for the needs of the society. So this combined can be a powerful tool uh, in order for convincing governments and states uh, to obtain grants for developing useful products. And as, uh, as discussed previously, collaboration of SMEs with large companies is, is another uh, pathway uh, for uh, the, latter, the large companies to acquire new technical knowledge towards realization of products that they can easily promote the large companies through their existing sales network. So there are two pathways for the synergy of research with the economy to promote the startups, either through grants, either through strong collaborations with large companies, because the large companies already have strong sales network and any product that is co-developed with a startup can be easily uh, uh, promoted into the market. US market, the European market, the international market in general. 
In what way could chemical engineering be shaped in the next 20 years? So chemical engineering uh, will be very, very important and a strong pillar uh, for the shaping of economy in the next 20 years. The increasing economic power and the rise of the middle class in today's developing countries will drive demand for more materials, energy products, and access to technology. So new, more efficient methods of materials production, production have to be developed. Uh, there, there will be process intensification, also energy intensity uh, requirements, and also the need for zero emission technologies. So the more, the, the more countries in the future are using new technologies, new materials, uh, there will be more need for optimizing the production of these materials, um, obtaining, uh, acquiring energy from renewable sources. And this is where chemical engineers will contribute significantly and play a very important role because producing materials is the, the basis of chemical engineering. So chemical engineers will have to find uh, novel and efficient ways uh, and also cost-effective ways for producing materials in larger scales to be used uh, by uh, more and more people in the future. Chemical engineers are strongly involved in this field and will play a crucial role in realizing applications and products that will improve everyday life and be beneficial to the society in general. One final question, Stefano. What is the one thing your students should know about you as an educator and researcher? So my mission is to help students enter the professional world with the necessary chemical engineering background and tools. And this is the goal in general of uh, my department, Department of Material Science and Chemical Engineering at Stony Brook University. So all the faculty here uh, is dedicated to uh, the proper education of our students uh, in order to uh, be competitive in the market and perform well in their, in their roles as chemical engineers. So personally, uh, I use my industrial and academic uh, research and technical background to facilitate the student's introduction into chemical processes and novel applications, as well as into the development of innovating products. So I believe this is a very uh, interesting combination, the industry and academia for an engineering major, uh, as uh, the students have the capability of understanding how uh, all the chemical processes and we are discussing in class can uh, be applied uh, to the industry into a chemical plant. So in this way, the students uh, will be able to connect the broader chemical engineering concepts uh, and feel confident when they start the first job. It's very important to land the first job with all proper tools in place and it's, or they should know how to select from all the tools they have available to use uh, each time uh, in a specific application objective of, of their jobs. 
Thank you, Stefane, for accepting the invitation and speaking to the Global Greek Influence podcast. Thank you very much for the invitation. Very happy that I was able to discuss about nanotechnology and present um, more information about uh, the exceptional capabilities of these materials and the influence of the nano world on everyday applications. I'm looking forward to speaking and hosting you soon. Dr. Stefanos Nutodas and I discussed vital aspects of carbon-based novel materials at the nanoscale and their hybridization, nanomaterials' importance to the renewables ecosystem by providing superior properties to energy systems, engineers becoming entrepreneurs as they are gifted with a can-do attitude managing projects and solving complex problems, willing to learn and gain customers' trust, the benefit of collaboration of SMEs with large companies and the importance of supporting SMEs to design the future economy, the continuous added value of chemical engineers to the society and the economy, and giving confidence to young chemical engineers while preparing them to face reality. Stay tuned for more episodes of the Global Greek Influence podcast every Sunday. Subscribe, like, and review the Global Greek Influence podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Anchor FM, and for more podcasting platforms. You can contact the Global Greek Influence through the podcast Facebook and Twitter accounts and the podcast website globalgreekinfluence.com.